I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas, brought to you by Red Wing. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. This is episode 45, Mr. LaCour. We're, we're coming up on your age there. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Five years ago. Um, <laughs> Happy New Year to you, James. Happy New Year, brother. When does your New Year expire? Because we learned from Seinfeld that it's not okay. Right to keep saying Happy New Year in, in February or something, right? Yeah, yeah. The end of this week, probably I'll stop saying it. And so I'm James Hahn the second from TribeRocket.com. We're a media company that works within oil and gas. And you're probably saying, well, if if you're a media company, then why did you say that you were a consultant for so long? Well, we discovered our hedgehog concept, which that is thanks to Jim Collins and his book Good to Great. Not going to go through it all here, but you can go to TribeRocket.com forward slash hedgehog and read the blog post that explains where we're coming from. What about you, Mark? Yeah, Mark with modalpoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. <laughs> you must be an expert because last week, someone read one of your transcripts and posted it as their own podcast yeah, on crazy, SoundCloud. Right? I mean, somebody took our, my content, you know, in case people don't know, I publish a lot of short videos and have the transcripts beneath the video. Why do you do that? Yeah, uh, that, thanks to James. He taught me that. And so somebody actually went to my website, read one of my transcripts, recorded it as their own podcast, and released it to the public. And I mean, come on, people. Uh, don't do that. You don't need to do that. You just don't need to do that. I've had people thieving stuff from me for years, and some people are cool and transparent about it. We had a disagreement, but we've since become good friends. Shout out to Paul Cheney. But just do you. Do your own thing because ultimately if you're not doing yourself and being yourself and building your brand, you're building a brand on someone else's, and that's not transparent, and you're going to get exposed. Yeah, and what's so sad about this is the person that did this has a good story to tell in oil and gas, right? I just don't think they have enough faith in themselves that they can tell that story. So, you know, folks, don't steal content. Especially from us. Yeah, not from us. We're the wrong two people to do that. <laughs> very, very wrong. I don't know anybody in Anonymous, but hey, <laughs> I might be able to pull some well, strings. We, we wouldn't know if we did know anybody in Anonymous. Very good point. Although, my, here's something you, you, you don't know, Mark. My server was changed by my web host this week because I was getting DDoSed so much. So, wow. We, we, ha we definitely have some enemies out there. <laughs> I, um, I had a denial of service attack a few years ago, and um, my hosting provider had to pull my website offline. So, yeah, I've been there, done that. No fun. They didn't, well, and that's what's so great about this particular company, WP Engine. They didn't have to pull it offline. They just moved it, but it was, it, that showed me you pay what you get for because I got this right. email where they said, hey, you got a lot of people trying to take down your site. We moved it. <laughs> so, anyway, you talked about, the oil and gas sales experts and and our friend with a story. We have a lot of stories to cover. Let's get into it. First off, Platts, our enemy, <laughs> our, our enemy in, in the reviews. They're not our enemy. I'm joking. I'm joking. Platts report, China oil demand grew 1.5% year over year in November. Yeah, so it's uh, this is showing how China's growth is slowing. And we've talked about this on past shows. So their year-over-year -year growth is only 1.5%. Now, that's actually pretty good in most countries, but the Chinese, the brakes are being applied to their economy. They're slowing down. 
And so they talk about how um, demand for different refined products are going down. Um, the actual use of uh, crude oil, natural gas is going down. Um, interesting enough, if you read through this article, China's refineries, especially their small refiners, which are called teapots, their outputs actually went up a bit. And once again, that's to be expected because the market for refined fuel, re refined goods uh, globally is going up. So uh, really good article by Platt's got some good numbers in here. Um, it, and it, once again, it just uh, reinforces the fact that the growth in the Chinese economy is slowing. One point I see here, it says gas oil is the most widely consumed oil product in China. What's gas oil? It's a funny name, huh? It's like almost like a typo. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you think of heavy fuels like diesel, if, if you make it heavier than that, you get to fuel oil, right? Which a lot of the world burns either for electricity or for heat, for furnaces. And if you go heavier than that, you get gas oil. So it's just a heavy fuel stock. Is that why they have so much pollution in the air over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, what makes the pollution even worse is they don't have um, um, pollution control equipment, carbon capture, catalytic converters, lean burn technology. So the exhaust is just raw exhaust, which, which you know, in U.S. and Europe doesn't happen. The exhaust of your car, the exhaust of the power plants are, are cleaned up before it's released in the atmosphere. We've all been stuck behind a truck whose exhaust is just disgusting, Right. Yeah. And that's a horrible 10, 15 seconds, and you just want to drive them off the road. Is that what every power plant is like in China? And every car, James. I mean, I mean, wow. and lawnmowers and boat motors and, and you know, you know, everything that if, if, if our audience wants to see something just almost looks like it's a special effect from Hollywood, just uh, go to YouTube and look for a uh, smog over Beijing and look at what it looks like walking around the city. It is just insane. I'm th I'm taking a note down. I will I will actually throw that in the show notes. And by the way, they will all be at triberocket.com forward slash tw45. Enough with China. We haven't talked about our, our our friends in Nigeria for a while, and we have a perfect opportunity right here. And I I had two different choices of which 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 story to go with here. But I just love the way that this guy said the year of our Lord 2016. And I'm like <laughs> throwing this one in there. So. Nigeria anticipating Nigeria anticipating Nigeria's fortunes in 2016. What's going on? Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff going in Nigeria. Nigeria, the bulk of their income comes from crude, right? And so with these low crude prices, it's hurting their income. And you're also having um, a, their currency over there is called the Nara. And so the, um, the Nara is being devaluated, which is not a good place to be. And then, of course, there's still corruption all over the place. And then, unfortunately, not only is their currency being de devalued, but now have their word about inflation. And inflation is basically if something cost a dollar last year, now it costs a dollar and five cents. So your dollar doesn't, or in their case, the NARA doesn't go as far. So it's it's not looking real great for them. Now, if you read this article, one of the things I think is hilarious in here is they talk U.S. politics, how it's going to affect Nigeria. And they're talking about how Trump is not going to win the a presidency and it's just gonna push uh, Clinton in office and it's like I'm not sure I would call it that way but that's that's how the author called it in this article <laughs> so it, it's always fun it's always fun to to try and and discuss another country's politics when you're not there so we know about the corruption do they talk about him so Buhari being the being the the leader democratically elected leader by the way yeah, and actually they, they go into detail on something called a PIB, P -I -B, which is the Petroleum Industry Bill. And basically the, the PIB is um, the government's attempt to clean up all the corruption in the entire oil and gas industry uh, in Nigeria. So, you know, 
I, I'm, I hope this bill passes because it's going to do a lot. And I'm sure the Nigerian people hope this bill passes. It says it's going to drive unemployment down. So since it's a knock, they'll have a lot more jobs for the people. Yeah, so, right, right. Once you clean up the corruption, that money's still there. But now that money could be spent on hiring people, upgrading refineries, doing more drilling. You know, you, you recoup that money and actually use it in your business instead of it going to crooked politicians' pockets. Not that we have any of those in America either. Not like they have in Nigeria. <laughs> Not, no, no. Yes, explain the difference, please. Oh, so the, the fund, there's two fundamental differences. One is the U.S., regardless of what you believe politically, the U.S. has a balance and check system. We basically have um, a police force who's designed to investigate our politicians and make sure they're on the up and up. I'm not saying that, that um, corruption never happens in the U.S., but we literally the, – the people of the U.S. don't like, want corruption. We don't agree with it, and we have the checks and balances in place to check up on our politicians. Both of those things do not exist in Nigeria. The people, the culture of Nigeria, corruption is normal, right? It's not, the, and and the Nigerian government up until recently didn't have any policing of their own politicians. Now their new president, <laughs> he is the enforcer. He's the new sheriff in town, so he's he's doing policing on his own, and he's setting up a board to actually start trying to implement that. So, you know, my hopes are that the Nigerian people um, back all of this and pull themselves out of this hole they're in because of corruption, and, and go ahead and move forward and be one of the leaders in the world. You know, it's hilarious about that. I was just listening to an interview, Alec Baldwin interviewing the director of the French Connection. Right. And of course, the French Connection came out, what, in the early 70s or whenever that was. And he told a story about going in, this is, show you how corrupt the police force was in New York back then. The only thing they got permission for, they tried to get permission for, was the car chase train scene. Because they said, all right, we're going to get on the top of a subway, we better get clearance for that and so they went to the port authority and the head guy who was in charge of all the trains and they said how much would it cost or or you know how fast can this thing go all of this and he's going if i approve this for you i'm going to lose my job and i'll never be able to work in this city again it would be it would be really really hard for me to get this approved and they were like, all right, okay. And they went to leave. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? And they said, we're leaving. You said it, we couldn't get it approved. He said it would be hard to get it approved. I didn't say it would be impossible. And they said, okay, what do you want? He said $45,000 and a one-way trip to Jamaica. And that's what they gave him to be able to, to do the, the scene in the French Connection, to be able to yeah. do that. So well, thank goodness it's not like that anymore. That's exactly what happened, though. <laughs> he went to this 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 New York official, got his one way trip and lived off lived out his days down in Jamaica. So thank God they cleaned that up. Let's move over to India. This isn't exactly oil and gas, but it is. So top five Indian stocks exposed to the slowdown in the Gulf. Yeah, great great financial article and written in a way that most people wouldn't have thought of. So basically, the low crude price is hurting everybody, including Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia is dipping into its savings account to keep its social programs running. But just like if you and I had to dip into our savings account, they also have to cut stuff, right? So what's happening is a lot of the labor in Saudi Arabia comes from India, and a lot of the materials that Saudi Arabia buys, steel, pipe, that sort of stuff, comes from India. So because Saudi is slowing down, it is actually affecting the entire economy of India. And so India is slowing down. How bad? Um, it's, it's, it's not horrible, not yet. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a, a slowdown of say 
you know, 12 to $15 billion over a year. And, you know, India's economy is, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. So you're not looking at, you know, 10 or 20%. You're looking at, you know, 4 or 5%, but it's enough to make a difference. One of the things that's jumping out at me, however, the slowdown will eventually spread to all other Gulf countries because a number of them have 40% to 50% revenues from oil and gas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately for a lot of the smaller companies, countries out there are the ones without a savings account like Saudi Arabia has, they're going to be in real trouble. Um, you know, we've talked about this for a long time about the strategy of OPEC and how it had nothing to do with trying to put the frackers out of business. And, you know, this is this is Saudi digging in its heels um, and using the fact that it has a savings account to punish the rogue members of OPEC that did not cut production last time um, OPEC asked for production cuts. What's one of these companies that they talk about that that is affected? So it's funny, if, if you read the whole thing, they keep talking about Tata, Tata Steel, Tata Motors, Tata Communications. Tata is a big, huge company in India, and there's actually, uh, um, Tata has a presence in oil and gas here in the U.S. They do a lot of uh, IT stuff here. They've, they've won some big contracts. So um, you know, those separate companies that make that conglomerate are all slowing down. And they talked about um, L&T, which is another, uh, which is another big EPC com- uh, company that also does some work in oil and gas. So you know, you're, you're having some major companies that have exposure to the slowdown in the Middle East. It's affecting their shareholder value. Interesting on the Tata point, it says that they have joined hands with the leading UAE-based petrochemicals company. So it looks like they're trying to move downstream. Well, they're already in downstream. What they're doing is they're forming partnerships with the refineries that are being built in Saudi Arabia so they can do the work and supply the materials. Got it. All right. Good stuff on India. I already think I know the answer to the next question, but Royal Dutch Shell, a good bet despite the challenges? Yeah. Shell's Shell's doing good, right? Shell's responded well to the slowdown. Shell has shifted um, away from projects that weren't viable. And then, quite frankly, their downstream business is, is is keeping everything else afloat. So they're in a good place. I um, you know, and folks that listen to this, do not use our um, our show to do investing. We're not, uh, you know, stock experts. But I actually just picked up some more shell myself because I think it's go uh, f- uh, move uh, move up in the next year. What what brings you to that conclusion? Uh, sh- um, basically, that the globe needs more gas. And Shell, by its BG um, assumption, or, or, or um, you know, by buying BG, has turned itself to a global gas company. And then Shell was one of the first companies to walk away from, for some, from some expensive deep water projects. Which, and, and Shell's been around for a while. They, they know what they're doing. So um, their, their stock is doing okay, and I think it's going to surge ahead in the next year. Based on crude price rebounds? Um, based on the fact their business is where it needs to be, right? And and they're going to increase revenue. They're going to have growth. They've cut expenses, you know, all stuff that Wall Street looks at to value their stock. If you were a small independent listening to this show, what would be one thing that you wish you knew that Shell did really well that you could implement in your business? Well, that's kind of a hard one because those are two different businesses. But one of the things that Shell has done really good is is they've stopped projects that were not economically viable. They didn't keep trying to do projects and trying to wait out the market. So if you're a small independent and you have some marginal wells or you have some wells that aren't drilled yet and you're not quite sure if it makes financial sense, just don't do it. Save that cash on stuff that's actually making money for you right now. Got it. All right, good stuff on Royal Dutch Shell. Moving over to Zach's, we have four energy gainers set for a better 2016 downstream. Yep, downstream. That's yeah, absolutely right. So this is a well-written article about 
from Zach's on how you should invest your money if you're looking to invest in oil and gas. And they highlighted four companies. We know these four companies, you know, Phillips 66, Marathon, Holly Frontier, Alon USA. They're all downstream companies. They're all doing well. Um, and they're all going to continue to do well. Downstream as a whole is on fire, and especially here in the U.S. And here's a perfect example of how that affects um, these companies' return on their investment and their shareholder value. So, you know, Zach's is saying these are some companies to pick up. I actually think you should have picked them up, oh, about six months ago, but they're, they're still good investments. So Zach's is, is always giving you the financial side of things. What is the more industry side of things that we some lessons we could glean from these companies? Um, so I tell you the bigger lesson you can learn, if you're in the oil and gas industry, make sure you know the entire industry, upstream, midstream, downstream, and service, and understand how the money flows, how the business works. Um, you know, we called this over a year ago that with the low crude prices, downstream was going to surge ahead, and they have, but that's because we understand how the industry works. Same way if you're an investor, you know, don't just be an upstream investor. Understand how the dollar flows to the oil and gas industry, and it'll lead you to the right investments. You'll be able to think through this sort of stuff yourself. I've never heard of Elon USA Energy. Do you know much about them? Yeah, they're in Dallas. They um they they refine and um, make petrochemical products. So they're they're in a good good spot. And yeah, can you give us an update on any of the any of the refinery projects that are coming online in the Gulf? Um, so there's 85 billion with a B billion worth of new greenfield construction right here in our backyard in the Gulf Coast. The majority of those are ethylene crackers. But there's also LNG plants, there's refinery upgrades, there's petrochemical plants. So, um, you know, it's it's crazy the money and the business that's that's uh, ramping up right here in our backyard. And that's going to continue to happen, right? We we have the infrastructure in place both to get the raw feedstock, the crude natural gas, down to the Gulf Coast. We also have the infrastructure in place to export whatever they manufacture, whether it's plastics or fuel oils or whatever. We have deep water ports. So um, the Gulf Coast is where it's at. Now, I say that. But the whole U.S., or not the whole U.S., but any place in the U.S. that has uh, cheap uh, natural gas and the infrastructure place, you're also seeing downstream growth. So places you wouldn't think of like Virginia. You know, So uh, downstream's where it's at. Downstream's going to continue to be where it's at at least for the next two years. What are the kind of services that a downstream company would need that would translate well if you're an upstream, upstream company that's trying to get some money in the downturn? So are you asking me if you're a service company that services upstream, does downstream need what you do? More, more specifically, what kind of services does downstream need that might apply across the board? Um, marketing, sales, <laughs> accounting, HR, HS&E. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, welders, you know, pipe fitters, engineers, they, the, the, the needs are are in a different order, in a different format, but the needs in upstream and needs in downstream overlay each other very well. So, again, all of the people that are that are crying wolf or whatever you want to call it, just go over there and you can find your money. Yeah, so uh, they're not crying wolf. Upstream's hurt right now. These load crew prices is either financially impacted a company negatively or the company is scared, the perception, or both. But the the business of oil and gas always makes money. There's always one segment that does well, and right now it's downstream. So, you know, if you're a service company and you predominantly have done upstream for your whole life, take a look at downstream. A lot of what you do, once then you may have to remarket what you do. But a lot of what you do, there's still a need for. It's just in a different segment of the industry. I know, had a conversation with one of my board members in the API. And he heads up the sales efforts for a fabrication yard. And they've always done top sides. So when you look at a rig, the 
the part that the people work on that's above the water is called the topside. And, you know, he was telling me how bad their sales would hurt. And I was telling him that your same fabricators and welders and machinists are needed in downstream. And so he went out and picked up a couple of downstream contracts and now he's doing just fine. Yeah. And I would like to retract that crying wolf because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the, the pain people are going through. It definitely hurts. I always just try to bring that different perspective that you've taught me. Yeah. There's always opportunity in oil and gas. So, um, you know, my, my advice is get to know the entire industry, not just the part that you grew up in. Well, speaking of upstream, though, Diamond Offshore Drilling Inc. to post f- <laughs> financial year, fiscal year 2015 earnings. Talk about it. So Diamond's, Diamond, you think, would be starving to death right now. So Diamond's basically an offshore contractor. They, they own the drill rigs that people like Shell and BP and, you know, Log and everybody else rent go drill a well offshore. And so that business has um, right now is hurting everywhere. Diamond's doing okay, and they're doing okay for a couple of reasons. One thing is they made a very strategic investment in their fleet a few years ago and modernized everything. So they have higher horsepower, more maneuverable uh, rigs, and they also have deep water rigs. So if you're an older um, drill ship company where your, your fleet is older, Companies don't want to pay for rigs that don't work as well or as efficient. They'd rather pay for a rig that's more efficient. So Diamond uh, did a very shrewd thing, and since their fleet is upgraded, their their utilization rate is high. And then because they have deep water and ultra deep water rigs, which are rare, even this low crude price, people are still drilling offshore. And so they they basically have the 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 constraint of deep water ultra deep water rigs. They they fill that constraint, right? So they're you know, there's a need for 30 of them. There's only 10 of them, and Diamond happens to have seven of them. So they're in a good place. That just brings out the business point that I'm always focused on, which is your niche. The tighter that you niche, the better you're going to be. And they said, okay, we're going to be the best in the world at this very, very small sliver of this huge industry and plan for it long term, and it pays off. Right. And, and you know, I'm sure it was, I mean, I know it's very strategic for them to do it, but I bet when they're in the process and they were spending the money to upgrade, I bet a lot of people called them, called them on it and said, you know, you're wasting your time and your money. It's not a good business decision. And then the price of crude drops and it was a very smart business decision. It's always good to think that long term. Is this the end of the U.S. shale boom, Mark? No, this is a crappy article. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked before about writing about something in a country that you're not from. So this is the Alberta Oil Magazine. I don't know if that if that's part of it, but talk us through the ridiculousness of this article. Yeah, it, it's just there's just a bunch of wrong stuff in here. And they talk about o- OPEC putting the frackers out of business wrong. They talk about how um, the, um, the U.S. has contributed to the global oversupply wrong because we can't export. Well, now we can export our crude, but when they wrote this article, we couldn't export our crude. Um, and I think the reason that it comes across so negative is the fact that they're in the oil sands part of the world, right, in Canada. And the oil sands are the most ex- is the most expensive oil to get out of the ground. So oil sands are hurt the most by these low crude prices. Um, you know, a lot of our uh, frackers in the U.S. actually are making money at $40 a barrel, right? They, they're, not, they're not loving it, but they're actually making money. They're not even breaking even. They're making a profit. Now that we've list, lifted the export ban, you're already starting to see crude being exported. The price of crude will go up in 2016. Um, you know, this article is just uh, kind of a negative article with a bunch of you know, guesses and opinions in it. So I, I really, really didn't care for this one. One thing that the guy talks about, though, that I see across the board is a lot of people talking about talking negatively about the Bakken, 
what's going on in the Bakken? Is it just media? It's media, and it's and you know how that works out in the shell place. So you have some very good operators with some very good acreage that are doing just fine. You have some okay operators with some bad acreage, and they're hurting. And you have some horrible operators with a mix of bad acreage and good acreage, and they're hurting as well. So um, it will it will shake itself out. The people that are doing well will continue to do well. Um, the people that are upside down will, you know, figure out some way to get out from under that, whether they file bankruptcy or somebody buys them or whatever. So you, you'll see you see a shifting of players, but the guys that are doing well are just fine in the pocket. If someone was listening to this for the first time or they're just getting into the industry, can you help to, us to understand what you mean by good and bad acreage? Yeah, so and, and this this applies to everywhere there's oil and gas, even offshore. So so when you have a piece of land and that you're going to drill um, for oil, there's areas that you can drill that you'll get more oil out of the ground, and there's areas that you can drill that you'll get less oil out of the ground. So the areas that you can drill that you get more oil out of the ground is good acreage. The areas that you drill the exact same well, the exact same way, and you get less oil out of the ground is bad acreage. So there's always a range, and it's, 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 it's geographic, and sometimes it can be literally – 100 yards, 100 yards off, and, and, and you have a, a poor performing well than you do, you know, 100 yards the other way. But we've seen, though, that certain operators, no matter what the acreage grade, can get it to perform. Yeah, and it's because fracking is not 100% science. It, there's an art to it, and it's those guys have been doing it for years and years and years. They get a feel for, for you know, where that bit is. You know, are, in the, are they in the right horizontal area? They look at the, the rock fragments coming up, and they look at the shaker, and they, you know, and, and they, and they, maximize their production so yeah it's all being a good operator i yeah i can take a bad operator and give them class a acreage and, and they'll still be upside down <laughs> yeah and that's always the case right no matter what the technology is if you're not good at what you do um, back to this whole jim collins good to great thing he's he says yeah we could have you could have taken the exact same technology and given it to the comparison company and they would have never done what this company did because they right. just weren't that company right all right Let's move on to pipelines because we did get a question about that we're going to throw into the next first Friday Q&A show, but it's on the East Coast Pipeline Project Watchdogs Anticipate Arrival of Compressor Station. Oh my goodness, what's going on on the East Coast? Yeah, so um, Mountain Valley Pipeline's building a pipeline, and in a pipeline, especially a natural gas pipeline, you have what's called compressor stations. And that's every so often it just boosts that gas moving through the pipeline. It's the only way you can make it work. And so um, this article is talking about there's uh, basically environmentalists out there that are trying to keep this pipeline from being built. And what they focused on is the compressor stations. And what they're telling people is they pollute and they're noisy and you don't want it in your backyard. Well, um, if you can't build the compression stations, then you can't build the pipeline. Now, what this article doesn't talk about is pipelines tends to be built in the middle of nowhere on purpose. So compressor stations are loud if you're inside the compressor station. Outside the compressor station, they're not loud, and they do not pollute. So um, once again, it's environmentally using a fear tactic to help keep a piece of critical infrastructure from being built in, in Virginia. Because they don't like heating their homes during the winter, right? Yeah, you know, you and I are going to talk about that on something we're going to do for the uh, the surge. But it's 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 gotten to the point where it's literally ridiculous because you know they use oil and gas and oil and gas products, and yet they try to stop it from letting other people use it. Crazy. What is the situation in Roanoke with the oil and gas? Because you've got things that have happened in the Marcellus where these are not traditionally 
oil and gas states where they embraced it. What's the legislature like out there? They're actually, they used to be, uh, I, w- I would actually say they were anti-oil and gas at one point, not that long ago, and it's actually flipped around because what's happened is they need money, and they're looking at these other states that are ha- have all this income from the taxes and then, you know, sales tax and you know, all the workers. Jobs. And- jobs, right. And they're going, well, we want some of that. So they've actually kind of flip-flopped, and now the legislature is, is I wouldn't say pro-oil and gas, but they're on the pro side now instead of on the con side. That's that's always good when when yeah, they wake, good. when they wake up. All right, we're going to finish off the 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 regular stories with BP agrees to sa- uh, to sale of Alabama Petroleum uh, Petrochemical Complex. What did BP uh, unload this this petrochemical complex for? They need the cash. I, uh, bottom line, they need the cash. You know, BP is still recovering from the Macondo disaster. Um, I thought for sure they were going to be picked up by Exxon. That hasn't happened. Uh, BP has managed to raise its shareholder value to the point where now it's not as good an acquisition target as, a, as it was you know just last year um, but they, they need they need cash and so you know we talked about the growth and downstream um, the reason there and, and this this refinery indicator um, is the world's only manufacturer of, of something called NDC which is a specialty chemical used in plastics so this is a money maker for BP and it's a money maker for for um, for whoever bought it um, it's I think it was a public company ended up buying it from so this is just BP's way to generate some cash how much more are they going to bleed? They're not bleeding anymore. Um, but this low crude price environment, combined with the fact they spent most of their cash on their legal battle, leaves them in a position where they literally just don't have enough cash. So if they want to make an acquisition right now, which is prime time, they, they can't. So they're, they're looking at their business and they're getting rid of stuff they can uh, generate revenue for. Where are they focusing their most of their, their energy? Um, so most of their energy... BP has a lot of co- conventional reservoirs around the world that that you know at twenty dollars a barrel they're still making money. They're pumping a lot of money into that, and then they're being very selective on their deep water and ultra deep water projects. And they're only uh, continuing the ones that are going to be financially stable in a low, long-term, low crew price market. And then, of course, BP has refineries. So, and and that's you know here's one they're getting rid of, but the rest of the refineries are doing very well for BP and making them money. So over the long haul. Does it look like they're going to survive on their own? Yeah, they will. It's, I mean, I really thought Exxon was going to pick them up. Um, they end up divesting themselves of a bunch of stuff that the public doesn't know about. So BP, at one point, their flagship was their wind energy program globally. They've sold that. Um, they sold a bunch I used of, to see those in commercials. Yeah. They've sold a bunch of very high-quality leases uh, all over the world, right here in our backyard in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so they've they've sold a lot of stuff, and I have to admit, I I, I was really thought somebody's could pick them up, and I thought it was Exxon, and BP fought a just a fantastic battle to get their uh, stock price back up so they couldn't be acquired. So you know, hats off for them for for you know doing what it took to keep somebody from picking them up. I remember talking about it on the show and asking if it was a PR play uh, publicly what the what what the CEO was saying. But this might be a good case study for a business school. This would be a great case study for a business school, right? One of the worst, most publicized natural disasters in the oil and gas industry in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, BP took full accountability. Uh, BP spent the time and the money and got the people to clean all that stuff up. It's gone. You can't find oil in the Gulf of Mexico right now. Um, you know, they changed their culture. Um, they, you know, they, they, they made a mistake. They paid the price, and now they've recovered from it. How did they change their culture? Uh, I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> maybe I, over, I, maybe over on the thing we're going to do that will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, 
you know, when somebody's down, I don't want to talk about why they were down. Well, all right, let's kick someone while they're down. Going into the weekly onion, <laughs> North Korea successfully harvests wheat in show of growing strength. <laughs> all right, that's enough of, uh, of my ridiculousness. We have some winners to talk about. Yeah, so f- folks, if you're following us, you know that we've been giving away some um, helicopter bags, which are r- really their offshore bag, but to me, they're helicopter bag. And we have two winners. Who are those winners, James? It's Patrick Pister. Quality Health and Safety Environmental Engineer at Sea Drill and Alexander Uchev. Please, please let that be right. Analyst at J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. So, congrats, Alexander and Patrick. Y'all have a really awesome bag headed your way. Yeah, and we have more of those bags to give away. So, if you want one of these bags, go sign up, James. Where do they need to go? So, it's no purchase necessary to enter or win. You can see the official rules at RedWingShoes.com forward slash podcast. Yeah, so go catch one of these bags. I promise you'll be glad if if you go red and you win one of these things. They're awesome. Yeah, I I'm really excited about. Uh, hopefully, I can get my hands on one of them since you got one. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. All right, I'm just gonna come and take yours. Events. By yeah. the way, before we jump into the events, uh, I haven't said this on a few different shows. You can sign up for Mark's monthly email at trybracket.com forward slash events, and that'll take you straight into where you can just plug in your email because that's actually where we get all of this information from because, Mark, you're the only person in the industry who aggregates this data, right? Yeah. We take all the events that's going on and we stick them in your inbox once a month, and now it's to the point where a lot of times I get free tickets to give away to the people that sign up for my newsletter. So you, a lot of times you get in these things free instead of paying. So just go sign up. You'll be, it's, it's worth your you know, 30 seconds that it takes. All right. So we got the API Houston luncheon. I just, I, I am now a member, Mark. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. I, I, I dropped the 25 bucks finally and, and registered for the, for the, for this yesterday. So that's next Tuesday. What's going on at the luncheon this week, this month? So this is our monthly luncheon and we have a, it's going to be a really cool event. So we're having a mini tech expo. So we have a bunch of vendors there. But because it's a private event, nobody tries to sell you anything. They just try to help you understand what they do. This isn't like going to a public event where all the, the vendors there have salespeople in the booth. We actually have the engineers and the owners, whatever, in the booth. And then we have um, Bob Johnson, who's president of Source IEC, and Neil Frank, who uh, used to be the director of the National Hurricane Center. And they're going to have a, a bit of a panel discussion. So this is going to be a really good event. I'll be there. James will be there. If you're going, reach out to me on Twitter and you come sit at my table. I'll make introductions. Yeah, same here, uh, and, and you can find all our contact information and all of these events and everything, again, at trybrocket.com forward slash TW45. So we got that going on Tuesday at 1230 at the Petroleum Club down in Houston, and then we have the leaders that, in industry. Actually at 11. It's, oh, sorry about that, 11 a.m. till 1230. I, I yeah. missed the, the beginning part. The Leaders in Industry Luncheon happens the next day from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., also at the Petroleum Club. So if you want to go downtown two days in a row, it sounds like they should, though. They, they definitely should go to both these. If you're in the oil and gas industry and you happen to be in Houston or near Houston, either Tuesday or Wednesday, these are both two good events for you to go to. You know, this industry is still, even though it's global and huge, it's still an industry of people doing business with people. And going to events like this is how you build that network within oil and gas. People get to know you, they get to trust you, and it just benefits you and it benefits everybody else as well. So tell us about the the people that are going to be speaking at this one. 
So this is a Bill Vaughn Gotten, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He is a well-known industry consultant in oil and gas, and this is put on by IPAA, the Independent Petroleum Association of America. Um, and it's just it's it's insider stuff, right? You hear when you go to these lunches, you hear the real story of what's really going on in oil and gas, and the people sitting next to you are senior leaders in oil oil and gas industry. So go. In in the he's the founder of WD Vaughn Gotten and Company. Do you know anything about what they do? Yeah, they're an oil and gas consulting company. And what do they specialize in consulting on? Uh, I believe they specialize in uh, geosciences. Okay, all right. So we're going to get some some really good geoscience rock nerd data. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome, awesome. The guy who hated geology class more than anyone in college is excited to go hear about geology from Mr. Von Gotten. All right, let's give a plug for the first Friday Q&A because this last show – we we had so many questions that I didn't even have to send out an email or do anything, but let's remind people that you can go to tribrocket.com forward slash QA, and what do you do there, Mark? Yeah, so if you have any questions for, 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 for us, uh, the first Friday of each month, we actually answer those questions. And it's also a great learning experience, so submit your questions. Uh, James just gave you the link. Uh, preferably, if you can leave a voicemail, that would be even better, and we can play the voicemail live on our show. Yeah, and you said it's a learning experience, and as we learned on the the first Friday Q and A we just did, it's a learning experience for us too. Yeah, I mean, we we learn stuff as well. It's um, you know, it's it's nice that I have people point out when I make a mistake or they they have some additional information around something we talk about. I mean, that's that's our community, right? This this isn't a one way street. I'm, I try to learn something every day about our industry, and I will continue to learn stuff. And if I can help other people learn, that's just a great thing. Yeah, and 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 the one thing that we did get wrong, it was my fault. The Potter River <laughs> Basin is not in Oklahoma. <laughs> All right, talk to about sponsorship because we're almost sold out. Yeah, we literally have one spot left. So we have uh, one supporting sponsorship left. If you want to get in front of an, uh, a global, huge oil and gas audience, reach out to James and I. Um, and, but hurry up and do it. We've sold all the other sponsorships. Reach out to us, and if we can help you with your business, we'll be happy to do so. Yeah, or, or even, even talk about the other show. Yeah, so uh, we have another show. It's a careers podcast in oil and gas. So if you're interested in a career in, in the oil and gas industry or you have a job and you're interested in promotions or bettering yourself, listen to our other show. It's a short format show. We get straight to the point, but we're out there trying to help people, like I said, either get a, a good position in oil and gas or improve their current career. Yeah, and I know that several people that, that are longtime listeners to the show, they really miss the t- – there's a few people that really miss the 20-minute format. And that's exactly what we do on that show. We get in and get out. So if you're looking for something for your commute, then you can just search oil and gas and both of our both the shows will just pop up in iTunes and Stitcher, by the way. And we're still waiting on Google Play to, to release their podcast. So it's going to be a minute on that. All right. We've got to talk about reviews because we have some competition. So so yeah. Platts is not the enemy. They're only our enemy in iTunes. <laughs> Yeah, so so we're competing with Platt. So if if and, and oil that, and gas IQ, who hasn't published a show for two years, I think, but yeah, it still so, ranks above us for longevity. Yeah, so if if you know if you listen to our show and you have a competitive streak, right? You play sports, or um, you know you, you like to make sure that you always come out on top. Help us do the same darn thing. <laughs> help us get ahead of Platts and, and IQ. Leave us a review. It, it helps push our. Uh, search engine rankings and iTunes above there so more people can discover our show instead of theirs. That's right. And I track this every day and we're always flipping back and forth and everyone that comes in helps to push us higher. We actually got three from the last show. So thank you so much for that. 
I'll go ahead and read those. So number 42 on the list, very helpful for oil and gas pros from Stephen 11. It's five-star review. As an oil and gas professional, it, it's hard to keep up with everything that's happening, but this podcast distills out the key stories and combines them with great insights. Mark and James do a fantastic job of helping me understand what I need to know and what I need to do. Keep up the great work, guys. That's a good one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's solid. All right, so moving on to Rob in Pittsburgh. We got a Pittsburgh. I wonder if he's a Pittsburgh dad. Oh, goodness. I got I to gotta give you the link to Pittsburgh dad reacts to Star Wars. It's phenomenal. I'll throw it in the show notes. Trust me. All right. So success, successfully fills a void. Robin Pittsburgh, five stars. There has been a need for a podcast dedicated to oil and gas with a primary focus on domestic plays. There are plenty that boringly discuss international developments, but nothing touched home and supplied poignant weekly updates until James and Mark. When asked where I get my weekly industry news, I always plug these guys, plug these guys, and will continue to do so. Keep it up, Rob. Man, that's freaking awesome! Yeah, uh, what, what a great review. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I always plug these guys. Thank, yeah, thanks for the plug. And then third, great summary of weekly oil and gas five stars. This is John Ryan seventy four. Look forward to the show each week. Keep at it, and y'all keep at it. Please give us the reviews. We need to dominate. Dominate oil and gas uh, searches in iTunes. Of course, if you're an Android person, you, you are listening on Stitcher, and eventually they are going to release Google Play Podcasts, and as soon as that happens, we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. so please, 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 it takes you literally a minute and a half to leave us a review. Leave us a review so we can keep dominating our competition. It's at tribrocket.com forward slash TW reviews. And let's, let's round it out with a LinkedIn group because, it's man, it's growing and active. Yeah, if, if you listen to the show, we have a sister to the show, right? It's our LinkedIn group. Uh, James will give you a link to go go join. Your peers on there. We're on there. Great dialogue, great questions. People help each other. It's just a good companion to the show. Tribrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn will take you right in there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to our sponsor, Red Wing, for giving away this awesome stuff. Uh, we are working on a white paper with them right now. Hopefully get that done within the next two days so that we'll bring you some quality content from Red Wing. So thank you for ev- to everyone for everything, especially you, Mark, for putting up with me on this show. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, look, for our entire audience, thanks for listening. I mean, we really appreciate the fact that you take time out of your day and stick us in your earbuds, you know, for the 45 minutes once a week. So thanks to our audience. Definitely. All right. Anything else, Mark? Nope. Do great work. Pay it forward. And we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. I'm going to start this over again. Need to have fun.